You're listening to Dramas Over Flowers with Saya, Anissa, and Borama. I'm Anissa, and this is our final What's Up in Drama Land of the year! What? In this episode, Borama and I discuss the dramas we're looking forward to in December with a meaningful tangent about political protest. I promise it's relevant. And just a note, as we anticipated during recording, The Silent Sea does now have an air date and will be dropping on December 24th. What a great start to my holidays. Also, as promised, there are plenty of ways you can participate in our year-end festivities. Firstly, just like we did last year, we're soliciting voice notes about your year in K-drama. Tell us about your standout dramas, trends, tropes, whatever made the year's show special to you, or even perhaps what made you angry this year. We love including your voices in the year-end yaks. You can upload them directly using the link in the show notes, or email them to us at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com. Secondly, it's almost time for our third annual Goguma Awards, and this time we want you to vote too. Tell us your favorite three dramas of the year, and the one that made you want to throw your phone across the room. It's a very short poll, I promise. If you haven't filled out our handy K-drama tracker, that's our gift to you and might help you narrow down the choices. You can find links to both in the show notes. Thank you to everyone who's participated in Dramas Over 2021 so far on Twitter. We're delighting in reading your reviews. If you'd like to participate, just include the hashtag Dramas Over 2021 in your one tweet review of any and all dramas you watch this year, and we'll retweet. Pro tip, use a GIF. GIF? GIF? Anyways, a video is worth a thousand tweets. And as always, thank you listeners and patrons for your amazing support. You can support us and get extra below-the-line episodes on patreon.com slash dramasoverflowers. And with that, let's roll into the list of premieres that I absolutely do not have time to watch because I'm busy trying to finish as many shows as I can before the year and yuck! Yay? Hey everyone, it's Anissa. And it's Pharma. Welcome to the December What's Up in Drama Land. As you noticed, since I'm the one who started this, Saya is not with us today, but we will substitute her enthusiasm and or her lack of enthusiasm for the various dramas since we already know (laughs) how she would feel. Specifically about one drama. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And we don't have any news, so we're not really going to do a news segment this time. We're just going to jump right into December premieres. Yes. Okay, so the drama that we're starting December off with is the one and only, which is going to be airing on December 6th. And it's a JTBC drama starring Kim Kyung-nam. Who now? Yay! Oh, him! Kim Kyung-nam from The King. Yeah, Eternal Monarch. No, I know. Yes. The MDL always uses like the worst profile pictures possible. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah. So it stars Kim Kyung-nam and An Yoon-jin. And Joy! Hey, hello! I haven't seen her in a while. Also, yeah. Kang Yim Won and Hang Yu Won. How do I know Hang Yu Won? I swear I do. I don't know. <laughs> I've seen him in something. Never mind. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Jumping into the actual drama. So, only one person is a human melodrama. It was three terminally ill women who met at a hospice. Oh dear. Become entangled in an unexpected murder case. And begin a miraculous journey of facing their precious one person after fighting to take down the only bad one person before they die. This makes sense if you read the Korean title, which is Han Saraman, which means only one person. 
<laughs> so I guess it's like the good only one person and and the bad only one person. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So we're getting into the deeper synopsis now. Pyuan Sook is a stubborn and insensitive woman who, even after being diagnosed with a terminal illness, doesn't know what kind of feelings to feel. On the other hand, wait, you know what? If you've been diagnosed with a terminal illness, I don't think you should be called a stubborn and insensitive woman because you don't know what feelings to feel. It's like you're dealing with grief your own way. I, I'm taking this really personally. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the stubborn and sensitive woman is just her personality. Yeah, probably. It's just the, the awkwardly written sentence. Right. On the other hand, Min Wuchan is a mysterious hitman hidden under a veil. Although he's a natural killer with superior physical conditions, sharp instincts and clever mind, he struggles with deep emotional scars. And profound sense of emptiness from having lived a crooked life that he didn't want to lead. What the heck is a natural killer? <laughs> I don't know, man. He's so, so sad that he had to kill people is what I'm getting from this. Assuming he also made money from that. After the two meet, they wind up becoming the most important person in each other's life. Okay, then. In their lives, two more women show up, equally carrying a heavy toll on their shoulders. One such woman is the housewife, Kang Seyon, who has led a pretty normal life without being noticed by anyone. She realizes the rift between ordinary and stability that she believed and relied on so much only after being sentenced to death. Eh? I guess she realized her life wasn't very memorable after she realized that there is like a early termination date. Yeah. I wonder if this is like a somewhat of a not that great translation. Yeah. It's not that great a translation. I'm getting the feeling. Okay, let's let's read the final part. While the other woman, Song Mido, who is a famous SNS influencer, also doesn't have much time to live. With death close ahead of her successful life, she experiences various complex emotions. The issue that I'm having with the synopsis is not the bad translation, which I can understand that it may be... I mean, this thing doesn't even have a poster yet. Mm. So even though it's releasing on December 6th. So it's probably still in post-production and they probably haven't released like a really good synopsis. So I'm not blaming the translation. It's just that the story that I'm getting from this is not particularly imaginative writing. The writer has three women who are about to die and one man who has been killing for a living having like a crisis of identity and morals. Yeah, I mean, despite how much I love Kim Kyungnam, I'm not really feeling this story. And and it's also same writer as Police University, which doesn't really inspire a lot of confidence so, in me. I did enjoy Police University, but it's not the police part that I enjoyed. Like that part was a bit dodgy. That's true. Yeah. So, yeah, the moral balance I would expect of a writer who's writing about something as sensitive as like a killer, I don't know, rediscovering his heart. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not super sold on this story. Yeah, it's a weird combination of elements. I guess they're going for this thing of like a man who's used to taking people's lives really lightly, meeting people who for the first time are facing their own mortality and him kind of learning to care about the fact that they're not going to be alive anymore. Like I can see where they kind of got this concept from, but it's, I don't know. It's a hard thing to pull off. You just made it so much more interesting. <laughs> Maybe I should have written the summary. <laughs> I, I agree because all I got from this was like, this is super cliched. Like the hitman falling in love with the woman who's about to die and losing her is what makes him realize the value of life. It's just, I feel like I have watched this 
in Hollywood movie format so many times. Yeah, it is a pretty it's a pretty well-worn trope. I don't know. As as usual it like really depends on the execution and we can't as we always say like the promos really don't give us an idea of what the actual drama's quality is going to be like. Yeah, and there is no promo for this one. Like like we couldn't find even a teaser for this. So right. we are going off like not the best translated synopsis. So pardon our stockiness, maybe there is more to this story but we can't tell. Yes. Okay. So that was the one and only airing on December 6th on GTBC. Next, we have Our Beloved Summer. That will be airing on December 6th as well. Monday, Tuesday on SBS. It'll be 70 minutes. This looks great, I have to say. It does. I agree. So this is a romance comedy that portrays the complicated feelings of a couple that break up saying, it was an awful time with you and let's never meet again. And this couple is played by... Cheushik and Kim Dummy. Oh, Kim Dummy! I haven't seen her since Eat the One Class. <laughs> both, yeah, both great actors. We're looking forward to seeing again. Yeah. However, the documentary they filmed ten years ago in high school suddenly gains popularity, and they're forcibly brought together in front of the camera once more. Ooh. Cheung, who's played by Cheushik, appears to be an immature free spirit, but he brings out his sincerity when he finds something he wants in life for the first time. Gukyansu, who's played by Kim Dummy. Her greatest life goal was to place number one during her school days. Now she's trying to become an adult while living life fiercely and adjusting to reality with a wound in her heart. Oh, the, the woman is the one with the wound in her heart. I, I like this. <laughs> and then Kim Ji-wong, played by Kim Sung-chul, is a documentary director who lives his life as an observer. He has maintained an omniscient perspective for most of his life, but will start to change when he makes a documentary about Cheung and Kuk Hyun-soo. Top idol NJ, played by Ro Jung-hee, Oh, I love Ro Jung Yi. My 18 again <laughs> feelings came back. <laughs> Top idol NJ is a famous celebrity with beautiful looks and amazing skills. After working fiercely as a star, she realizes that she's slowly becoming normal again and prefers to live her real life. She becomes interested in Cheung's works and naturally grows curious about him. So I guess those are our two second leads. Mm. But the trailer for this looks so cute. It does. Also, the cast has Park Jinju. <laughs> Yes. She's not mentioned in the summary, which is a travesty that it is that should be fixed. Yeah. And plus, can someone please like promote her to second lead and then maybe slowly to first? <laughs> yeah, just take her straight to first lead. This woman deserves so much more than she gets in the roles that are given to her. I just agreed. Still holding out for that rom-com lead. Please. <laughs> Universe. <laughs> God, please make this happen. <laughs> But yeah, any thoughts on this other than that it looks really good? It it does look really cute. And I'm not super into like second chance romances. I generally kind of feel like if it didn't work out the first time, you guys have core issues. And yeah, <laughs> unless there's like a lot of time spent correcting those core issues, it's not really. So second chance romances really deal with those things, though. And I mean, unless it's something like, what was that? Go back couple. That's a second chance romance mm. that I can kind of get behind. <laughs> Yes. But I agree with you on the second chance romance thing, except when they dated in high school, because I feel like who you are changes so much between high school and proper adulthood mm. that there's like more leeway for them being like, wow, we really didn't know anything back then. And it was the wrong time for us. Whereas if it's a second chance romance where like they broke up and they meet three years later and nothing really has changed in their lives. Yeah. And they're going to have the same issues. Both of them probably haven't learned any lessons. It's a little harder for me to root for that. I agree with you in literature because in books, when you have like high school sweethearts meeting as adults, that's not really second chance because they're not 
they are rediscovering but also just newly discovering each other in dramas mm. though whenever they do something like this if they fell in love in high school that love extends all the way to adulthood when they met 10 years later it's usually yeah. not a case of them actually discovering the new person they have become however i have some hope from the synopsis because it kind of seems like their breakup was sort of bitter and it will take some job undoing that so which i really like and i like the trailer i like that they were bickering for most of it it was like fresh quick and kind of witty so mm. yeah i really like the vibe of it it feels like a light romance also just the idea of like having to see this viral video of you when you were like 15 again when you're like in your 20s and just how awkward and embarrassing and horrible and cringy that would be wow. i there's just a lot of comedy potential and also like secondhand embarrassment potential here which i love you know what it it also striking me that now people in their 20s are exactly placed in a time where they have made stuff in their teens mm. that is still online right now and they're in their 20s So this is actually really like way up to date like this is something that can actually happen. Yeah, I feel like we definitely dodged a lot of bullets yeah. cuz our generation did not have to deal with that. Oh my god. I have never been more grateful to not have this kind of access to internet during my high school years. <laughs> Right, I didn't even have a cell phone. None of us had social media. Yeah, I think I got my first cell phone when I was in first year of college. So, and Same. that was like a tiny Nokia 1100 yes, was. <laughs> I also had a tiny Nokia. It was like this little red Nokia that was like 4 inches oh, long. Oh, yeah, for that model. You it just I we, we definitely dodged a bullet then. Cuz like we wouldn't have been able to help ourselves. We would have been on social media. We would have put stuff out there. We would have thought we were so cool putting out like videos of us together and it would never go away. And what if it's this is like 10 years later. <laughs> Yeah, so this is going to be I feel like this can be really it has the potential to be really really good and funny. So, agree. Yeah, looking forward to this one. So that's Our Beloved Summer on December 6 on SBS. And next we have Artificial City, which is going to be airing on 8 December. It's a 20 episode drama and it's on JDBC. It's 70 minutes. Again, something in the waters. <laughs> Why is this becoming the new standard? I am not okay with this. Can we please go back to like 40 minute dramas? <laughs> I mean, 40 would be amazing, but I'm not even hoping for that. Like, let's just go back to 60. Like 60 would be okay. Like <laughs> Why are we going in the other direction? Exactly. Like you could you used to be able to tell stories in that period. It's not even like they're including break time because we don't see breaks when we watch them online, right? Especially like this is not Our Beloved Summer is 16 episodes. This one is 20. I know. That's too much. How much story do you have to tell you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Artificial City by the way is also known as Peacock City, Gongjog City and Jongjak Dosi, which is supposed to be a city, and Sabotage City. Wow, they really couldn't figure out a name for this drama. <laughs> so it's like a psychological thriller mystery drama, which actually the trailer kind of gave us that vibe. It stars Park Seo-hui, who looks very cool in the trailer, <laughs> Kim Kang-woo, who is probably playing her husband, then Kim Mi-suk and Lee Hak-joo. So this takes place against the backdrop of an art museum that belongs to Sung Jin Group, a major conglomerate that holds the reins of the political and financial worlds in South Korea. It is a psychological mystery thriller about the things that disappear when humans become greedy and ambitious for power. <laughs> 
Yunjae he is the head of the Sangjin Cultural Foundation and in charge of operations at Space Gen, the art museum owned by Sangjin Group. She's also the second daughter-in-law of the family. Believing that poverty is corrosive to love and that a stable income leads to a steady life, she chooses to throw away her long-time lover and enters into a marriage of convenience to the illegitimate son of the group. Ooh. In order to make her husband the nation's president, she teams up with the future public prosecutor general and goes into war against Sangjin Group. Okay, so Sangjin Group probably tried to like disown the illegitimate son and she was like, no. My husband needs to have power or I won't have relevance. Right. And her husband is played by Kim Kang-woo, by the way. Right. And so, Jung Chun-hyuk is Yoon Jae-hee's husband. Although he is a popular anchorman with his own fan club, he hides an inferiority complex over being labeled the illegitimate son for his entire life. He laughs at both ambitious people and those who pretend to have no ambition, even as he waits for the day when he can seize the reins of power. So basically, this is like an ambitious power couple and the woman is helping her husband overcome the weakness of being the illegitimate son of the group. Why doesn't she just run for president herself? Like, this is my problem with stories like this. He's an illegitimate son who's struggling to... It's not like he has a great name as a base anyway. Just, like, use the family's money and become the president yourself. Like, come on, lady. I mean, I'm assuming that she's not getting any help from the family. The family's like, your husband's being too ambitious, but he's not even legitimate, so we're not going to support him. And she's like, well, society thinks men are more powerful, so I'll just, you know, be the puppeteer behind the scenes and help my husband climb well. You know, like, you've you've had, like, stories with women playing kingmaker throughout. Like, this has, like, a very long history in actual history and in fiction. But, yes, I mean, what do you want to bet that that is exactly how the drama ends up? Like, the she kind of, like, throws away the husband and starts grabbing power herself at the end. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> that would be down with that, yeah. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot to say about this. This actually looks like the trailer looked a lot like how mine looked. Not as crazy as Penthouse, kind of classy, kind of like full of mystery and like a lot of underhanded machinations. Super high melodrama, like she's like pouring wine on her hand so that it looks like blood and like there's like glass shattering. I mean, it's very people getting their throats grabbed, you know, like it's it's intense. Oh, that. Yeah. You know what? It's a lot more like World of the Married. That's what it actually reminded me of. So this is clearly becoming like an established genre. Like I used to think of melodrama as like this really over the top, slightly cross storytelling. But my God, it has moved into a different level now, like with just high society. Yeah, it's moved from that like weekend family drama spot where you would Mm. have like the super heartwarming family dramas and then you'd have like the weekend melodramas. And they were that was kind of where they lived. And now they've moved into weekdays and they're much more expensive. So you have these like prestige miniseries melodramas, I guess you could call them. I guess, yeah. And it's becoming a thing. And they're always about rich people. <laughs> I mean, miniseries because we are comparing them to like 50 episodes. They're miniseries that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're always about rich people. I suppose because rich people really have nothing better to do than like throw wine at each other. Because, like, the middle class is working. Yeah, even the melodramas that used to air on the weekends, there was always some kind of table, like, there usually was something, you know? Even yeah. if the heroine came from a poor family, she would have, like, married into this, like, evil table family. And, you know, there was, like, you know, her, her husband might have been, like, good, but then he had, like, an evil older brother, and there was, like, power struggles, and the mother-in-law was, like, 
trying to kill her baby and like all kinds of things, you know, like revenge and like backstabbery and, you know. Yeah. No, you know what? I think what the writers struggle with here is making the stakes high enough. And when there is money involved, the audience immediately gets the stakes. That's already a high stake that just everybody in the universe gets. So it doesn't require much hard work. I mean, melodramas across industries in all countries usually focus on like crazy rich families. That's like the base for all melodramas. Yeah. And I feel like they have to lean more into like the wealth and power struggle aspect when they're doing these like more prestige ones. Whereas before it used to be like, you know, and we kind of make fun of these now, but like the person dies and then someone comes back to take their place and they're like identical, but they're supposed to be somebody else. And it's like a whole thing. And, (laughs) you know, now we mock it with like, they come back, but they have a scar and they're like someone totally different. Nobody recognizes them. It's still (laughs) happening. (laughs) Remember Penthouse? I I mean, I didn't watch that. But I guess like they're trying to lean into a more quote unquote classy version of this without going into those, you know, mukjang tropes. But it still looks pretty mukjang, I have to say. No, that's true. That's true. I guess, I mean, this is kind of like the enjoyment value that rich people give to the masses. Hey, look at our lives. We are insane. You don't want to be like us. <laughs> right. We're we're not actually happy, so you don't have to feel bad about being poor. Exactly. <laughs> Cuz like the heartwarming weekend dramas are always about the middle classes. It's almost never about a rich family. And even right. if that middle class is living in like a relatively really nice neighborhood and you don't know how the heck they're affording their rent, but like it's still middle class. It's still yeah, and it's still like sort of supposed to be aspirational and relatable whereas this is not aspirational not relatable you're just kind of enjoying these people's misery (laughs) you know yeah pretty much it's like misery like as a genre but there is also like crazy entertainment because you're seeing these people like kind of fall right right and this cast is amazing so they can pull it off they can they can really like chew the scenery in the way that's needed for this kind of drama Mm. agreed for a melodrama, they have like the perfect cast, especially with Park Sui. Just in the trailer, I was totally sold. <laughs> yeah. Her voice is just like doing 50% of the work. She has an amazing voice. Damn, you're right. She does. So that was Artificial City. It's going to be airing on December the 8th on JTBC. Next, we have Uncle. It will be 16 episodes starting to air on December 11th on TV Chosun. It's a weekend drama and it'll be one hour per episode. Yay. (laughs) And also, this looks adorable. It does. So it's about Jun Hyuk, who's played by Oh Jung Se, whom we love. He's an unpopular musician whose life has hit rock bottom. He'd already broken off his relationship with his older sister, Junhee, when her son appeared before him. His nephew developed obsessive compulsive disorder after his mother divorced his stepfather. Junyak takes his nephew in and looks after him. And Junhee, who's his sister, is played by Jun Hyejin. Yeah! Who we also love. So WWW. Oh my god, I'm so excited for them as siblings. <laughs> so Junhee divorced her physically abusive husband after 12 years of marriage. She moved into an inexpensive apartment and now faces losing custody of her son to her ex-husband and his mother. Wow, even though he was the stepfather, that's rough. That is rough. Ouch. Haeryoung, played by Park Sanyoung, is a tenant at the Royal State, an expensive apartment complex where she is the most respected president of the Mother's Committee. Oh no, you'd be already know she's a villain. She has to be. She's the president yeah. of the Mother's yeah. Committee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no other option. <laughs> committee member Yura very much admires Haeryoung, and Yura is played by Hwang Usode. It's one of those four four syllable names. Yeah. 
She was raised by her widowed father, Kyungil, a man with sweet and warm personality. So I don't know where this like women's committee plotline is coming in. But I bet they disapprove of our Wang Junhee, who's the kid's mom. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> our uncle's sister. From the trailer, it looks like, you know, this uncle, it kind of reminds me of Move to Heaven in the sense of like this uncle who's got kind of a disappointing life where he's at rock bottom and then he meets his nephew and it kind of makes him have a new lease on life and he helps his nephew and the nephew helps him and we're all crying and, you know, I I can get behind this. I I got that feeling right from the trailer too. It's it's kind of like this man because they're just with, from the poster... I can tell what the trajectory and like the backstory of this character was. He was a character with a lot of potential. I bet he was like either really good at studies or really good at sports. Something happened. He was disappointed in life and and started becoming like a disappointment to his entire family. So he and his sister probably fell out. This is not in the synopsis, guys. This is totally in my head. (laughs) And he very occasionally met his nephew and his nephew had like this idolized version in his head. Like he thought his uncle was absolutely everything. And then at one point, his nephew really needs him. And uncle comes back and like starts realizing, starts seeing himself from his nephew's eyes. Like that he could be someone who's valuable and helpful and like awesome. Mm. Yeah. He's coming back to his sister who is coming out of this really traumatic, you know, abusive situation. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of like heartwarming drama to mind there. Yeah. yeah, And also just to, I forgot to mention, this is a remake of a BBC drama of the same name. Ooh, nice. So I haven't heard of the original, but I guess if you have some experience with that, you would know where the story is going. So yeah, it's like not a surprising type of setup, but it's one that always, I feel like works. Yeah. And also I'm just really like, I don't think we have enough stories focused on sibling relationships or just other family relationships without romance always taking precedence. So I mean, especially this kind of a thing where it's not like a father and son reuniting, where it's mm. like an uncle and nephew. Re- I just really like this. It somehow just makes me feel like this is the kind of story. And this is this one of the things that I really like about K-dramas. Sometimes I feel like there are so many of the same stories being told again and again. And then I, I would look back in the year and realize how many new stories the K-drama industry has told. Whereas if I look at like my own country's industry or other TV industries of other countries, they do tell the same story over and over again, like in a constant cycle. So Kedra was just like, this is what I love about this industry. They do tell new stories. And when they do, they do it so well. 100%. It's not like those staples don't exist. They're always going to be there. But people are constantly either like pushing them to a new dimension and kind of like inverting some of those you know, accepted tropes, or they're just like going in new directions altogether. So you have the classic stuff that you can go back to when you want that. Then you also have new things that are being remixed in interesting ways with like genres, you know, I mean, I know we laugh about the rom-com serial killer drama, but like that's a, that's a thing now. Like if that's what you like, it's it's new. It's something different. Yeah, I mean, and it, it only starts to become a genre because the people like us watching have shown that we really like this kind of combination of tropes. So then it becomes its own thing, which yeah. by the way, this is like a really long yak type thing, which because but I forgot to say this in our last long yak. So, you know, the special Royal Inspector and Joy is airing right now. This is a real example of that. Like, I thought this was going to be just another fusion Josh and dramas that have been happening over the last few years. But you know what this is? 
it's weirdly like a western adventure like you know those sand texas type western a spaghetti western yeah spaghetti western exactly and it's kind of like the you know the odyssey the korean odyssey type storytelling oh, hwayogi mm. yeah kind of like hwayogi but the hwayogi itself was crap like the book that hwayogi was based on and also you know like folk tales the eastern folk tales that we've actually heard as kids that's like pulled into but also like made a little better at one point they even have like hints of like western folk tales like there is this one situation where you basically have snow white and the seven dwarfs but of course it's nothing like that oh my gosh parma i was already dying to watch this <laughs> and i don't have time and you're just making me sad right now like i'm so excited it's just i am so madly in love with this drama right now it's not even like the most brilliant drama ever it's just such a great genre mash but also it's not i wouldn't insult it by saying it's subverting things i would just say that it's taking established tropes and stories and just somehow making it all fresh and i'm just so madly in love <laughs> all right don't raise my expectations too high cuz then right. something <laughs> like healer is going to happen to me <laughs> then we'll all be sad i will be silent <laughs> <laughs> we went on a bit of a a good diversion but that's uncle it's airing on december 11th on tv chosen The next drama that we have is Bad and Crazy which is a 12 episode drama airing on December 17th on IGE and TVN. It's a 60 minute drama. Hey, we still have these. The thing is we don't actually have much of a trailer. We have like these teasers and character poster type things to give us an idea of Idong Wook and Weeha Jeon's characters. who by the way are starting in this drama which is actually probably what makes it the most interesting thing that you have Idong Wook and Weeha Jun in this drama and so we will just dive in into this really quick synopsis which is Bad and Crazy is a superhero drama about Suyol Suyol is played by Idong Wook who has lived his whole life as a materialistic police detective but changes into champion for justice and fights against police corruption when a hidden persona called K awakens inside him by the way the hidden persona is played by Weeha Jun so i'm not entirely sure how both yeah versions i didn't realize he was awakening inside <laughs> him i thought they just met and then like k was going to influence suya so i don't know how this is going to work i thought this was going to be like a bromancy thing i didn't realize it was a split personality thing <laughs> <laughs> or like what are they like sharing the same soul but they're in different bodies like i don't know anyway i don't care what it's about i just want to see these two together and like the teaser that you mentioned it's not even really a teaser it's just a vibe of them like beating yeah. people up and like being <laughs> actiony you know with their hair artfully draped on their faces so oh, i mean oh yeah who can complain about that no one i have no complaints and also i really like this new idongwook direction where he's like he keeps taking on characters that are dark or like you know it's slightly creepy or just just generally a gory vibe it just works yeah. for him somehow you know i feel like he was stuck for a long time after my girl he was stuck in this mm, place of being this like pretty romantic hero and it wasn't working for him it wasn't and also like he wasn't really a good actor because i think that he felt like he couldn't kind of break free of that sort of mold and mm. he's been doing like really interesting stuff recently and he's really grown as an actor in my opinion like i never thought of him in my early k drama watching fandom like I didn't think of him as a good actor and that's actually changed. I actually think he's a good actor now. And he's done a lot like especially like since Goblin, I feel like he's even before that like Blade Man was a train wreck 
of a yeah. weird. <laughs> oh, no, no. I couldn't even get through the first episode. It was, it was so, so strange. I watched one episode, and but it was one of those weird situations where I was like, this drama is nuts. But like <laughs> Shin Sekyung and Idok are like more alive than I've ever seen either one of them. Like, yeah, that was the first time I saw potential for both of them to be better actors. So I don't know what was happening on that set. But, you know, good for them. You know, I get the feeling that sometimes these actors, they sign on to a script and then the script changes on them. <laughs> I'm sure. And they can't get out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like it looks good on the page, but then the way it's directed, like those blades that were coming out of his body, uh, oh. that was very strange. It was not, he probably pictured something more like Wolverine and that yeah. was definitely not what happened. So not yeah. this, whatever this was. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm also really excited to see Viha Jun again. I mean, I kind of really enjoyed him in 18 again. I still haven't watched Squid Game, so I have nothing to say about that. <laughs> he was so good in 18 again, and he there wasn't much of him in Squid Game. There wasn't enough of him, to be honest. Okay. So it was not that satisfying. I didn't get my We Had June fix. Yeah. <laughs> he's getting a lot of roles. Like, he's being considered for another role, like, pretty soon. Like, sometime next yeah. year, so. I think he's been cast as, like, the main lead for Little Women. So. Yes. That's supposed to have like a good cast. So we will get that. I'm excited soon. to see him as the lead of something. And I am still not acknowledging the Kesara Asura remake. So he needs to do something else. <laughs> yeah. So he has oh. he has little women coming up. We're we're excited about that. Anisa, I think next year's gonna be like the remake, yo. <laughs> there are multiple remakes. I don't want to think about it. Okay. That was Bad and Crazy airing on December 17th on IGE and TVN. <laughs> the next one is Snowdrop. And this might sound familiar to you, but we'll go into that in a second. But Snowdrop is airing on December 18th on JTBC. It's a weekend drama. It will also be 70 minutes and 16 episodes. And it stars Jung Hae-in and Kim Ji-seo. And Jung Sung-jo and Yuna. So people we love, although I'm baffled by why Yuna is not mentioned first, but that's just my Yuna loving heart <laughs> coming out. So let me read the synopsis first, and then we can go into like the scandal that happened about this a few months ago. So the synopsis currently is, in 1987, Im Suho and Eun Young-ro are students at a prestigious university in Seoul. And Im Suho is played by Jung Hin, and Eun Young-ro is played by Kim Ji-soo. This is a Blackpink's Jisoo, by the way. Mm. Im Suho, who grew up in Germany, has a gentle charm but gives off an air of secrecy. Eun Young-ro, who's lively, lovable, and cheerful, fell in love with him at first sight at a social gathering. One day, Suho suddenly rushes into a female dormitory covered in blood, and Eun Young-ro hides him and tends to his wounds, despite facing danger under close surveillance. Among those monitoring, Suho and Young-ro must avoid Pi Sung-hee, the notoriously strict and imposing house mother of Young-ro's dorm, who is played by... Yunsea, whom we also love. Yeah. And Kebonok, a phone operator at the dorm who had to forego a college education due to her family's financial circumstances. And that character is played That's by Kim, Kim Hyun. Hyun. Yeah, this act, this cast is nuts, <laughs> honestly. Kim Hyun of Extraordinary You and the current Inspector and Joy, by yes. the way. Lee Kang-moo is the relentless head of Team 1 of the National Intelligence Service, NIS, and always insists on doing everything by the book. By contrast, NIS agent Jang Hana is impulsive, hot-tempered, and passionate about her job. And Kang Jung-ya <laughs> is a beautiful and talented surgeon, that's Yuna, at a state-run hospital who can charm anyone in a split second. Although her skills in the operating room have earned her a solid reputation as a dependable surgeon, Dr. Kang is mysterious and appears to be hiding something. 
So this is set in the pro-democracy protest era in the 1980s. Like if you've heard of the Gwangju massacre that happened in 1980 and like there were a lot of, you know, it was a period of dictatorship and the people were protesting against that. They wanted democracy. The government killed a lot of those protesters in the Gwangju massacre. And there was a lot of like police brutality and violence from, you know, military police and things like that. So it's like a very painful period in South Korean history. The scandal mm. was back in March of this year when they first released this synopsis. Jung Hae-in was actually playing an intelligence agent. And the synopsis was that he was an intelligence agent who burst into the heroine's dorm room covered in blood and she was hiding him and protecting him. And you can understand why, like, if he's part of this oppressive structure that has killed so many people, that people are still dealing with the painful wounds of the family members that they lost and are grieving for, right? Like, this isn't something that you want to be playing the hero. So people were really angry about that. There was actually like a petition sent put on the Blue House website where people were like, cancel this drama. They basically just denied everything. They're like, this isn't the synopsis. We don't know where you got this synopsis from. I was like, okay, sure, JTBC. But anyway, so they like, <laughs> they're like, we're, we'll be back with more details later. So I guess this is like the revised version. I'm sure they did some reshoots. But so they've changed it so that they're both students. And I think it's interesting that they've made him like a foreign student. Yeah. Just given the subject. But yeah, so I, I'm guessing they're probably going to be involved in the pro-democracy movement in some way. Although that's not in the synopsis because she's, you know, under close surveillance while she hides him. So I'm guessing like why else would... I mean, I know she's being monitored yeah. by like her dorm mother, but I'm sure there's a reason that there's like NIS agents in the summary. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, especially because so much of these, you know, the, the movements happened in like colleges and by students, even if they weren't organized by students, they were often, you know, they were the body count, basically, they, they flooded the streets, they were like the most reckless in terms of coming out when nobody else would come out. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense that if you're having a story about students, and NIS officers, <laughs> you're clearly monitoring them for a reason. Yeah. And there's also seems to be a North Korean connection because this is apparently adapted from a true story from the handwritten mm. notes of a man who escaped from a political prison camp in North Korea. So I don't know if that was like a North Korean Ooh. man or like maybe a South Korean man who was ended up being captured by the North Korean army. So like that's I guess we'll find out. But yeah, it looks like a heavy show for sure. Yeah. The trailer has a very sort of like nostalgic, melancholy, sort of romantic, but sad kind of tone. So I didn't watch Youth of May, but it's giving me Youth of May vibes a little bit. That's exactly what I was thinking. And both Ido Hyun and Jang Hae-in seem to have like, a, I wouldn't say they have similar taste in dramas because of course they don't. But like they have a similar talent of portraying slightly melancholy diva characters with ease. So, yeah, I mean, the casting itself makes me think that it's going to be very poignant and hearty. Yes, for sure. And and they both have the ability to, like, make you really happy and really sad <laughs> just with their faces, you know, <laughs> which is a lot of talent. Yeah. I am extrapolating here, but, like, if it's the accounts are from a political prison escapee, we may end up with one of the characters becoming a political prisoner and maybe escaping years later. It's just, I mean, I'm just thinking how the story can go down. This seems like a, one of the ways it might yeah. go. So, yeah. And it just Jung Hae, okay? And also, you and I, 
this is not the type of story that I would usually dive into, but might try it out just for these two. <laughs> it doesn't seem like Yuina's character has that much to do because she's not listed that close to the top, but whatever she does, it will be good. Well, in the main cast list, in the My Drama cast list, she's listed as a main character. So, yeah. You're like, she's the fourth character listed. So she probably so, has a decent know. role. Yeah, especially if they're like protesting yeah. and getting hurt. They probably need a, a doctor that can take care of them quietly, right? Probably. <laughs> Without asking too many questions. Yeah, and she does seem to have secrets to hide. So that would make sense. This cast is interesting enough. And I don't think any of these, these five actors who are billed as main role actors, I don't think any of these people are going to be given light roles, which means that the story is probably going to be less predictable than we can think of yeah, right and now. It's, it's a really interesting time, right? And because this, they call it like the June struggle or the June democracy movement. But like there was this mm. sort of extended period from June 10th to June 29th in 1987, where the whole country was basically protesting in the streets. And eventually the government had to give in because they didn't want they didn't want to cause a big incident in the run up to the 88 Olympics. So the pressure of that, yeah. plus the pressure of like so many people being out in the streets. I mean, I'm obviously like really simplifying oh, the political situation. I'm sorry for that. But like, we don't have time to get into a whole history thing right now. But that was kind of the context. So like, it's a really interesting time to set this in. I don't know if they're going to be talking about like that summer. But if it's 1987, I can't imagine that they won't talk it about kinda it. It kind of makes sense. Why is put it in 1987 if you are not going to... Yeah. yeah, exactly. Especially the vibe of the trailer was very summery. <laughs> it seems like the time and the month are like just too, too similar to be a coincidence. So the backdrop of the story kind of really hits home right now for me. My country is kind of going through this thing right now where there have been farmers protests for like more than two years right now. Actually, way longer than two years, but very intensely for the last two years because my government basically passed three farm law bills that have certain portions of it are really unfavorable to small farmers because it basically favors the conglomerate coming into like creating private mandis, private markets where they can give whatever price they want to the seller. And because these farmers are not big groups, they are single farmers bringing their produce to the market. If they aren't somewhat protected by the government and guaranteed a minimum price, it's very hard for these farmers to support their families because you have big groups coming in, taking their produce, selling it in like supermarkets at like 10 times the price. The farmer is always the one who gets shocked. Mm. Anyway, I'm not going to get into the details, but the point is this struggle has been going on for two years. Just three months ago, the government basically made an entire drama out of how they are never giving in. They passed the bill earlier in the year, I think late last year during the pandemic, basically without any discussion. It was just like a raising of the hands, I and it was passed. And because the government had majority, they could do that. And day before yesterday, because the farmers didn't give up, because the protests were mounting, and eventually the farmers figured out that just protesting wasn't helping. So they started actively campaigning against our government's main party when okay so we have major elections happening next year so the government's party has started going out to do their campaigning in different states the farmers went and started kind of doing like a anti-campaigning in like they are trying to educate the people about 
it didn't even have to do that because farmers talk to farmers. It, it just spread like wildfire that the government doesn't care about farmers. And regardless of whether you agree with that, regardless of whether you think the farm bills are good or bad, you have to admit that the government just rolled over them and were like, we are not going to listen to you. We're just going to pass this because we know better than you. You're uneducated. They also kept like through the media, kept accusing farmers of being bad, bad, bad people. Think of the worst people that government accuses people of being that word over and over again, to the point where there are actually people around me who started believing it, that they were supported by bad elements and just should not be believed. There are 600 people amongst the farmers who died in the last two years through brickbats, through just sudden attacks on mm. the farmers, through like different struggles throughout the country. 600 people died to repeal these farm laws. And two days ago, our prime minister finally came out and were like, we're repealing the farm laws. So I was thinking democracy wasn't working in this country in that nothing was helping. We've had so many protests in the last six years, but somehow this protest worked. It was the pressure of the elections coming up next year. The fact that the fuel prices have gone through the roof, people are just not as supportive of this current government as they were even a year back. Mm -hmm. We are just coming off the pandemic. There are so many things that just putting pressure on this government, but we just didn't think the farmers would win and they won. And they still don't trust the government. They are like, we are not leaving the streets. We are not stopping our protest till you've actually passed it through the parliament because you've lost our mm -hmm. trust. We don't trust you when you say you're going to repeal yeah. the laws. So that's what's happening in this country. So yeah, this was a bit of a digression, but I had no, to talk about it because it's like so big, really yeah. a huge thing right now for my country. So, which by the way is India. It's for new listeners. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, I live in yeah. India. I'm talking about India. I obviously don't know as much as you do, but I have been following sort of, you know, some of the news about the farmers' protests and also just like the general political situation in India. It's big. You know, even if, even when like governments make these decisions for cynical reasons, it's not about the government. It's about the power of the people, right? And that's something that is really, yeah. it's amazing. It's really something that we should pay attention to and, and recognize. And this is why I love living in a democracy at the end of the day. I, I mean, there are so many people who are saying dumb things like being in a democracy is what keeping our country poor and like it's not letting us go forward because the government can't implement any laws. No, man, the government can't implement laws that is badly executed, badly planned, and they just will not go out and properly cooperate with the people who you need to execute the plans. That's the government's inefficiency. That is not a problem of democracy. Democracy is what keeps stupid shit from happening. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, I mean, if you study political science, there is more inefficiency to a democracy. But that's just because like one person and one party isn't making all the decisions. Of course, it's going to be quick and efficient if like only one point of view is ever being, you know, listened to. But quick and efficient for a very small number exactly. of people. It's not going to take the good of all or even good of a large number of people into account. So, yes, it's a slow elephant. Yeah. We know it's a slow elephant. But at least it's more or less going in the direction exactly. that we would all kind of in an average yes. want to. So, yeah, I'm just I'm really happy to be living in a democracy for this reason for right now. OK, so yes. <laughs> had a little bit of a, a political discussion. Yes, yes political yes, digression. But I think it was it was good. <laughs> That's Snowdrop. It's airing on December 18th on JTBC. Okay, so the next drama is Bulgasal, Immortal Souls. And this one stars 
Ejin Wook and Kwan Nara. Also, Ejin, I haven't seen Ejin in a while. Hey, he came back from army. Yeah. Has he done anything else since he came back from army? I don't think so. I, I don't think this is the first think one, right? So. Oh, this also has Gong Seung Yeon, whom I haven't seen in a good project probably since Circle. So I'm really happy to see her again. Yeah, this is this is Ejin's first big role since My Father's Strange. Whoa. Okay. So yeah. Okay. I'm really hoping this does really well. This drama is 16 episodes will air on December 18th on Netflix and on TVN. I think this is probably the first Netflix drama of the month. Yes. Oh, we yeah. forgot to mention that Snowdrop is also going to be airing on Disney Plus, which is like Disney Plus oh, is coming yes. into gay drama. God help us all. But anyway, that's happening. <laughs> so we'll see <laughs> what kind of consequences we'll that see. ends up happening. Yeah. So Bulgasal is a supernatural fantasy drama. And this is the synopsis. This drama revolves around two characters. The first is a woman who has gone through several reincarnations over the course of 600 years and remembers all of her past lives. Oh my God, I really like this. And the second is a man who has lived for over 600 years as a Bulgasal, a mythical creature that feeds off human blood and is cursed with immortality. Interesting. So he's a vampire, basically. <laughs> kind, kind of, he's a vampire. But we are just going to say he feeds off human blood as if that is he not a vampire. He feeds off human blood and is cursed with immortality? That's literally a vampire. <laughs> anyway. He might not have the teeth, okay? You need the teeth. Okay, so like the not-vampire guy is played by Asian work and the reincarnated woman who remembers all her previous lives is Kwanara. So... Danwal used to be human 600 years ago. This is the guy. He turns into a Bulgasal during the Joshan dynasty while working as a military official and completing a mission to erase the remnants of the previous dynasty. Well, he was a charming mm. guy, wasn't he? Min Sung An, who was once a Bulgasal but is reincarnated as a human, after suffering the loss of her mother and twin sister at the hands of an unidentified murderer, Min Sung Eun escapes with her younger sister, Min Sa Ho, and lives quietly in hiding. Although she works hard to conceal her name and identity, the appearance of a Bulgasal alters her life of secrecy. Ok Yul Te, another Bulgasal living in secrecy, he has enjoyed immortality for past centuries and has accumulated immense wealth. Okay, Ok Yul Te, let me figure out who that's that is. Oh, that's Lee Jun. Okay, which he uses to control politicians, businessmen, and the media. Ooh. Okay, I can see Ejun pulling this off. With his decadent beauty and overwhelming charisma, he has all the ingredients to be the most powerful figure in Korea. Does this remind anybody of Kimba? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dan Sol is the daughter of a powerful family who ends up marrying Dan Hwal because of her father. She has something special that others cannot make sense of. So Dan Sol is Gong Seung Yoon. So Gong Sung Yoon's character, Dan Sol, is married to Dan Hwal, who's our main lead non-vampire dude. But his soulmate is Kwan Nara's character, Min Sang Woon, who used to be a Bulgasal, but has been reincarnated as a human, but, but got like cycles of reincarnation. She's gone through like several reincarnations over 600 years. Wait, how do we know they're soulmates? Where did you read that from? Well, it says that the fantasy drama is about two characters. The first is a woman who has gone through several reincarnations over the course of 600 years. And the second is a man who has lived for 600 years. Are you seriously telling me <laughs> that the drama is not going to make them soulmates? Do you see the poster where these two are the yes. most prominent faces? <laughs> but I mean, the soulmate is a very, it's a very particular type of, of trope. 
I mean, I I bet that she is only reincarnating because she's meant to be with him and she's supposed to like help him somehow. Probably. I mean, I like that she remembers all of her past lives, though, because I always feel like they kind of reset every time with stories where she doesn't or he doesn't remember his past lives. And then I'm just like, what's the point of this whole thing that we just went through? I agree. And also, like, if you have an immortal man and you're pairing him with a human woman, the least she can have is memory of 600 years exactly. of incarnation. So she has like... Then you solve the goblin yeah, problem. That life experience to draw from. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> However, he's also married to another Bulgasal, which is Dansol. Which is why I can tell you right now, he is going to reincarnate as a human and then she is also going to reincarnate and they're going to meet in their next life and they're going to remember everything and they're going to be happy together. That's how the, the drama is going to end. Oh, but the life that we are going to watch, that's not going to end well. Right, exactly. But they'll remember it, so it won't be for nothing. That's fair. (laughs) That's my prediction. I'm actually okay with that. Yeah, I think that's a solid on-the-money prediction. (laughs) Did we actually get a trailer for Bulgasal? We did, yes. It's very, like, bloody and screamy and, like, scary. It looks good. It looks exciting. Let's put it that way. Oh, yeah, there's, like, a lot of dark, shadowy scenes and a lot of people are dying. (laughs) If you're into that vibe. (laughs) It's a vibe. So that's all we got for this drama, which was Bulgasal Immortal Souls is going to be airing on 18 December on TVN and Netflix. The next one is When Flowers Bloom, I Think of the Moon. It's airing on December 20th on KBS2. It will also be 70 minutes long and it stars Yu Sung Ho and Yi We have to express Saya's feelings about all of this because she can't be here right now. Yes, yes. we have to channel Saya. (laughs) But before we get there, I will read the description. Set in the Joseon era during a period marked by the strictest prohibition laws illustrating that prohibition is no match for human desire. That's not a sentence, but anyway. Prohibition creates different (laughs) challenges for these inhabitants. Inspector Nam Young from the Office of the Inspector General, and that's Yu Sung-ho, left his hometown to achieve fame in Hanyang and restore his family's status. Meanwhile, Kang Roso, who is played by Iheri or Heri, as many people know her, is the aristocratic but impoverished woman who makes moonshine to reduce her debt from buying her mother's medication and her brother's books. Then you also have Crown Prince Ipyo, who's played by Dian Yusak, which who we also love. He is yeah. prone to scaling the palace walls in search of a tipple. This trio has a fateful encounter, leading them to discover a hidden stash of alcohol. Revealing the secret could mean certain death well we'll we'll. (laughs) i like how like she's not making moonshine because she's just entrepreneurial and wants to make money no no she has a debt from buying medicine for her mother and books for her brother and therefore you know we don't even have to discuss morality of the joseon era (laughs) but aristocratic candy mind you like she has noble blood she she has all the tropes all in one all the heroines attributes (laughs) (laughs) let's channel saya first and my God, they had to cast Harry, didn't they? Totally ruined the drama by poor Yusufo. She finally came in. The to- okay, I can't do this very well. <laughs> yes. Yay for you, Sung Ho. Boo for Harry. That's like what Saya would be saying right now. Also, she would be like, how dare you put Harry next to my precious Yu Sung Ho? How can I watch him? He's finally back in a saga. I'm so upset. There we go. <laughs> That's great. That's what she would have said. That's right. And also, Yu Sung Ho looks so amazing in his Saung gear. He does. I mean, he wears the yeah. he wears the Hanbok really well. Gotta say. He wears everything well, right? but... 
He's he's really good at that. He is. Also, I really like that he's like um, Inspector General. Yeah, I can just see him like having like the swagger and authority of an Inspector General <laughs> and investigating stuff. Yeah, that would actually be kind of fun to watch. So here's the thing. Usually I would be the one defending Harry's character. <laughs> if Saya was here, I would be like, no, give Harry a chance. She was kind of amazing. And my roommate is a Kumiyo, though even that drama didn't end the way I wanted it to. No matter. She was actually really enjoyable in there. Uh, we saw very little of her in the trailer, so I don't actually know how she portrays the character. So it's not really a problem with the actor so much as I don't like how her character has been mm. written. So that's kind of giving me a bit of a pause. Mostly this is about the Prohibition era. So that's, I mean, you have like the hero who's the inspector general. He wants his family honor and to like, you know, get power. So he probably would be the one trying to enforce yes. Prohibition. Whereas Harry's character, Kangrose, is probably going to be like hiding the fact that she creates moonshine. Well, she's, yeah, she's a bootlegger. She's a bootlegger. So there's going to be like conflict. But also what I'm afraid of, it's something I really dislike in any drama with any romanciness in it, is they're probably going to be lying to each other. She's probably going to end up lying to him. There's going to be a bit of, what what is it? What is that called? Like, it's not catfishing. Mm. It's just, you know, like. Where you're hiding stuff from them, and then you find out way later. Yeah, it's I know. Yeah, catfishing is about your identity, so not that. But like, yeah, I know what you mean. Right. It's kind of it's just lying. <laughs> it's just lying. I hate that she's she's probably going to end up lying to him. That's how I see the yeah, story panning out. And I really don't like romance that's based on one or the other person lying to each other, and then because what ends up happening is, as with like the catfishing trope. When the other person who's being duped finds out that you lied, they can only be angry for like one episode and then they have to forgive you because they love you. And it's like, if you don't forgive them, then did you actually love them that deeply? So it's, it's extremely manipulative. And in real life, if someone lied to you like that, that would kill your love for them. And yet in this exactly. fictional universe, it's always like, oh no, but like they had such a good reason for betraying your trust. <laughs> and that's not how trust works. Like once somebody betrays your trust, yeah. it takes a really long time, if ever, for them to regain it. So yeah, I think the only drama where I was able to forgive that, and even then I was mad about it, was The Secret Life of My Secretary. Yeah. So this is interesting that the synopsis ends with like someone discovering like a hidden stash of alcohol. And it's also possible that maybe it won't go down the story lane that I'm afraid it will, where there's like a lot of hiding and secrecy between the main couple. Maybe this is just more like an adventuring where the three of them stumble upon a stash of alcohol. And because of the prohibition era, they want to like not be accused of the one creating that stash of alcohol. So maybe it's just like a sort of a passing the barrel kind of thing where they're trying to hide the fact that there is a stash of alcohol. Maybe there's just be yeah. shenanigans. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. The trailer actually didn't give us much information to go off. Seriously, it just gave us the look of the drama, which actually looks very pretty. Yes. Which actually made me think a bit that maybe they have like double lives because did you notice that, that there were these things where these characters were like they were right. standing in the same position, right. but their outfits changed. And then Jin Sung Ho was like holding a, a bow and arrow in this one outfit and then swap a different outfit, bow and arrow. And it just, I felt like maybe it was hinting at like double lives. Perhaps. So yeah, we don't know. This is all just speculation. It's also like one of the genres is comedy. So I don't see it going down that like super melodrama path that a lot of sagaks do. So I guess we'll just we'll have to see. Yeah. 
Also, Harry does comedy really well and so does Yoo Sung Ho. So, I'm kind of hoping that their comedy genes collide yeah. and a good funny story. Yeah, it would be great <laughs> if they really le- leaned into the comedy for a story like this. Yeah. All right. That is When Flowers Bloom, I Think of the Moon, airing December 20th on KBS2. And the last drama that we're going to mention, but maybe not talk a lot about because we don't really have an air date, is The Silent Sea. Now, this is the Gong Hyu drama that we've been waiting for a really long time. Aside from Gong Hyu, it also stars Beiduna and, hey, Ijun is in this one too. I completely forgot. Exactly. Yes. It's not just Gong Hyu. It's all three of these main cast members are like beloved to us. Oh my gosh. Oh, uh, yeah. And you also have Yoo Song Tae, you have Emu Seng, and Jung Sun Won. I haven't seen Jung Sun Won in a while. And it's like, we don't have an air date. We knew it was going to come out December 2021. But at this point, we don't even have, we have nothing, not even a hint of teaser, nothing. It's probably still in post production, but it's going to be releasing in Netflix. That is pretty much all we know. And we're going to quickly go over the synopsis because. Maybe they're going to release like an air date right after we finish recording this and we'll be like, damn, we shouldn't have skipped it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. By the way, this drama is going to only have eight episodes, which actually makes sense since, you know, Netflix and it's a Netflix original. Okay, so the story set in the future when the planet suffers from a lack of water and food caused by desertification. Yoon Jae is a soldier for the space agency. He is selected for a team, including Jian, to travel to the moon. Now, Yoon Jae is our Gong Hyu, Han Yoon Jae. And Jian is Song Jian, who's played by Beiduna. Yes! He is selected for a team, including Jian, to travel to the moon. A scientist who joins the mission to recover mysterious samples from an abandoned lunar space station where an accident killed everyone, including her sister. So, Jian is the scientist... And Yunjae is the soldier for the space agency, and they are selected for a team to travel to the moon together. Jian has recently lost her sister, maybe not recently, but like her sister basically died in an abandoned lunar space station. And now they basically have to go to that moon to get mysterious samples. Okay, that's all we got. We don't, again, have much. We have a splendid poster. But yeah, <laughs> let's be real. We're watching it for these people. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm a be. There. I don't care what genre <laughs> this was. It, it really did not matter. Of course, I'm watching this. It's not even a question. Yes. So yeah, I'm sure we'll be back to squee about this once it actually comes out. Yeah, I mean, I have to say that I wasn't like super flat out awed by the Song Joon Ki space series. Ah, uh, Space Sweepers. That was a movie, but yeah, it was. It was okay. It wasn't that good. It was too long. Yeah. I was really impressed by all of the CGI. That was like splendid. I also loved that they mixed languages like that and cultures and actors of different backgrounds. All of that was great. Story itself was slow, slow, slow. So yeah, that was something. However, I really like that there are more and more of these dramas happening out in the space because yes, please, I have always loved space operas. That's been one of my favorite genres to read and I would love to be watching more of that on my drama screen. Are you a Cowboy Bebop fan? Sorry to like go off track for a second. (laughs) No, no. How could you not be? Oh my God. Well, they finally released the Netflix series, the Cowboy Bebop adaptation on Friday, like two days ago. 
I was just not exposed to it, honestly. Oh my god, the anime is like an epic classic anime that you should watch if you ever get a chance because I think you would love it. Okay. But also just like maybe I'm going to watch the adaptation and tell you if it's any good. Absolutely. Do that. I will be heartbroken because it stars John Cho and like all these other people <laughs> who I love. And I saw the trailer. I have such an attachment to the anime. The trailer looks just smashing and John Cho's just one-liners are amazing. So yes, I'm actually really excited about it coming out. So yeah, space opera related. I had to, I had to say that. <laughs> I'll be back. Probably I will mention it on the next Long Yak, even though it's not a K-drama because John Cho. Yes. I mean, we talk about whatever we love anyway, even though they aren't K-dramas. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But Yak is a place where we share our love yeah. and our frustration. Yeah, <laughs> so that was The Silent Sea, which is going to air who knows what, hopefully in December 2021. It's eight episodes and will be shown on Netflix. And that's all for What's Up in Drama Land. And you can find us on Twitter at Dramas Overflow. You can find me on Twitter at Anisa Khalifa underscore. You can find me, Parma, on Twitter at Festa Faster. You can find Dramas Overflowers on Instagram at Dramas Overflowers underscore. You can also email us at Dramas Overflowers at gmail.com. And please sign up to our newsletter. The link is in the description. This is how we stay connected with you directly in case apocalypse happened, which you guys think I'm joking, but we went through nearly one in April. Tell you about that later. And? Yes. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook. Just look up Dramas Over Flowers. And our website is dramasoverflowers.net. Dramas Over Flowers is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And that's it, guys. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.